Do you ever want to be a guest on a super cool podcast hosted by a glamorous power couple from their cutting-edge home studio on the outskirts of a major metropolitan world hub? Hollywood, anyone? Us, too. Until then, let's pretend. One of these days, you might get a DM, a PM, an EM, or even a message in a bottle inviting you to join my husband and I for an hour or two in our chat lab, working on solutions for all the world's problems. And when you are invited, there's only one response. Yeah, uh-huh. There's a little bit of a discrepancy about a guitar and a man who's being held by the police and all sorts of things. Quite a, quite a story going on behind the scenes. I think we'll dedicate this to the innocent party, whoever and wherever he may be in this giant intrigue that goes on as we try and maintain law and order in society without, not us, but everybody, you know, it's a, it's a communal effort. Uh, this is uh, something that we should dedicate to the difference and the balances between law and order and where they start crossing each other's lines. Uh-huh, with Lisa. And Phil. This week, Aaron is joining us from California. Yeah. And Aaron and Phil are going to excuse the phrase fanboy about Led Zeppelin as we are recording this on Led Zeppelin Day. That's right. When Every Wednesday from July 18, 1984 to this day has been Led Zeppelin Day, approximately. On a day much maligned. With the radical deterioration of our very morals, the heavenly force blessed us with the existence of this mighty crap. Exactly. Yes. Um, yeah, it might have been a little earlier in the year than that. It may have been. Yeah, I was trying to figure that part it was out. During the school year, um, I think it was a it was going to be on Tuesday, but there was no school that day, so we pushed it to Wednesday instead. For whatever reason, there was wow. we were off on a Tuesday. That's a remarkable detail, but I think it's actually correct. I don't think you yeah. just pulled it out of your ass. I think you got, that's actually true. It, yeah, it, it is. I just don't remember why. On a, why would we have been off on a Tuesday? Did they not move everything to Monday then? Don't they usually like start school with an in-service day where the teachers yeah. have to report, but the kids don't or something? Yes. Yeah, it might have been one of those. Yeah, mm. it's probably something like that, you know. But anyway, <clears throat> there's a lot that goes into uh, Zeppelin Day, uh, the climate of the times, the quality of the band, the nature uh, of us as a couple of high school kind of... The, the absence of the band as an active entity. Right. Mm-hmm. You could sort of binge, um, to us, Led Zeppelin was kind of fresh, but you could sort of binge it mm-hmm. because it was complete, you know, it was like watching the entire Sopranos from beginning to end. You could, you could look at the entire body of work because you knew it was over. And in that, there seemed to be uh, some comfort. But that's all arbitrary to the fact that it's like the great ever created. You know? yeah, they're, and they're crucial. 
Yeah, very, very important. Very important to the pathos, exactly. pathos of rock and roll. Right. So I'd, I'd like to take a, not a scholarly approach, but a chronological approach um, and talk about, you know, I always say that it's best to start at the beginning. And so um, what happened was the, there was a super group called the Yardbirds that had Eric Clapton in it at different times, and Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page. And um, yeah, it was never it, all at the same time. Never all at the same time, but yeah. But they uh, they disbanded in the summer of 1966, and Page had become kind of the uh, de facto manager, the owner of the last of the co- of the tour dates um, that year. And so he uh, kind of put together a band um, as quickly as he could, and happened to run into you know like the best bassist in the world and the greatest drummer in the world. And the greatest, greatest vocalist in the world. Yeah, yeah, a few weeks. But um, so they like Page and or no Plant and um, Bonham were buddies who grew up in Birmingham together, same city. That's Birmingham, England. Birmingham, England, the setting of Peaky Blinders, <laughs> and and they were um, actually childhood friends of uh, Geezer Butler. Tony Iommi, Ozzy, Black Sabbath. Those guys all kind of grew up together in Birmingham. Bombed out city from World War II, like a very industrial town. Uh, So, you know, there are just different stories about how the band came together. But um, at one point, um, Keith Moon, Jeff Beck, I guess from the Yardbird days, John Paul Jones, somebody named Nicky Hopkins, we're tossing around the idea of forming a super group. And it what it really came about because Moon was tired of the Who. There was something going on in the Who where he thought he might be leaving the Who. But it turns out that didn't happen. But when they talked about this band, um, this potential band, uh, Moon said um, historically that it would go over like a lead balloon. So if you can imagine, Paige probably reached down on his little you know, notepad and jotted that down, or at least just remembered it. <laughs> wherever, he, wherever he puts his, wherever he put all the stolen riffs, he probably put that the name too. <laughs> oh wow! First salvo <laughs> there. Yes, yeah, we were going to get to that, uh-huh. but yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, now, um, be nice, boys. I didn't say it with malice or anger. Or <laughs> I just oh, I think it. I think they. I'm not that. really yeah. upset. <laughs> Everybody knows they were. Uh, Everybody knows they were premier samplers. Yeah. Not that yeah. they didn't do well with what they sampled, but, you know. No, they did very well with what they sampled, but. Yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe they didn't, uh, maybe there was Plant, a tinge. Plant said uh, Jimmy Page wrote all the best riffs, and those he didn't write, he stole. <laughs> uh-huh. So, I mean, that, that's real, well chronicled. I, I think probably the 70s were relative to today. There was probably kind of the dark ages as far as like, uh, you know, you could probably steal a riff or two, un, you know, without getting caught. Back oh, definitely. Yeah. And not be concerned about it, by the way. Especially if they're, you know, old black blues men in the South from the turn of the century. Right. Yes. Robert Johnson. Quote, yeah. unquote, sampling. Sonny Boy probably Williams. A lot of them dead by then. And yeah, he played with Sonny Boy. We used to have that uh, that bootleg. It was billed right. as Jimmy Page Special Early Works. So yeah. There was a photo of him on the front. Wearing like a 1975 era jumpsuit and holding his double neck guitar, but right. in actuality, it was uh, from like I don't know 1964 
um, a session that he did with Sonny Boy Williamson. He's just basically strumming along. There's there's no there's no licks really, but it is really good music. Yeah, yeah. Don't send me no flowers. Was yeah. on that one. Yeah, and um, and uh, there's a, there might be a man downstairs. That's uh, right. yeah. The Almond Brothers did it as one way out, but it's the same song. Yeah, and I think George Thorogood did a cut, did a version they of well it. Well, have yeah. So you know, so we, we talked about uh, uh, Plant and Bonham, but uh, Jimmy was born. I guess he was born into a little bit more of a wealthy situation or something in a, in a town called Heston, England. But they moved to Surrey when he was about eight years old. And the legend is that there was a guitar in his house when he uh, moved in at that age, either left over by a guest or previous owner. So from there, he kind of was influenced by someone named Scotty Moore, James Burton, and B.B. King. But he really, I think he kind of fast-tracked himself uh, a little bit by adopting this skiffle style of playing that was really popular amongst youths in England at the time. And it wasn't like really... It wasn't technical. I mean, it was easy to pick up, easy enough for a kid to pick up. But that's how the Beatles started. Yeah, John Lennon and, and Paul. They, I were, guess. they they formed a skiffle group. Right. And if you look on YouTube, there's an old uh, video of Jimmy Page on some kind of BBC or British television show at the age of I don't know. He looked like about 13 or something. Yeah, young teenager his, skiffle group. Yeah, and that, I mean it's just wild because you, you can see it's him. You know. But uh, it's just like watching an episode of uh, Leave It to Beaver or something. You know? it's exactly. Congress. Yeah. Like, so, uh, like home movies, but it's, you know, British nationwide TV. Yeah. Right. Um, so Jimmy, you know, he grew into a, a, a pretty uh, good um, guitarist, but never, you know, he, he was a studio musician. Um, in his later teens, and he worked on a couple of uh, um, famous songs like Baby, Please Don't Go by them, uh, with a little help from my friends by Joe Cocker. He was on that. Oh, wow. He really got me by the kinks. The kinks, yep, yep. Um, he even, and this is disputed by Pete Townsend, but he even worked on I Can't Explain um, by some accounts, which, uh, I don't know, I think I'm inclined to believe Pete Townsend on that one. I don't know if you needed any help, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, in later years, Paige was accused of being kind of a sloppy guitar player. So when you think about this um, technical, you know, I've I've been listening to some live Zeppelin over the past few days, and I'm not going to lie, that came to mind <laughs> on, a, mm -hmm. on a lot of things. It's like, wow, you know, live Zeppelin Paige is fairly sloppy a lot of the time, but yeah, still sounds awesome, especially you know at the time right there's there's no there were no proficient guitarists going out doing those jimmy page licks all the time yeah well i think his defense in, was in rock and roll yeah he would say he doesn't play he plays by uh emotion i think i heard that quote from him before that his style's totally by emotion yeah. i guess if his emotions are frayed or if he's you know on heroin or something he might get pretty sloppy <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah but um so eventually, um, through the channel, you know, through channels and recruiting, like you know, like a lot of um, uh, bands, yeah, bands that are looking to to, uh, to acquire some bandmates, and I'm sure there's more to it than that. But um, he did uh, see Robert uh, sing. I think it was probably with. I think he had uh, the, the band, of, band joy, of joy. Yeah, actually predated 
Led Zeppelin. It had, and, yeah, Plant and Bonham were in the band. Yeah, they were kind of a package deal because they were, you know, buddies. And, um, and then, of course, they added John Paul Jones. And they fulfilled the, you know, remainder of these new, uh, these dates that the Yardbirds had as the new Yardbirds. Yeah. Uh, Playing the train kept the rolling. Yeah. Love that song. That's done by, uh, you know, Aerosmith does a great one. I think they performed it at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony. They may have. The Yardbirds yeah. did it for sure, too. Right. So, and um, yeah. that, that riff rearranged became communication breakdown. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should he, add. He stole from himself. I should add. That, <laughs> <laughs> he, couldn't, he was like. I think uh, he was probably okay with it. He was a kleptomaniac by that point. He's getting yeah. help himself. I, I, I think mean, I, I think he did a lot of that of, no. of stealing things, but just changing them or or trans- transcribing them backwards. I think Black Dog is uh, something that uh, he played back. He he wrote the music down and played it backwards and went with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least he did something. And and Zeppelin oh, was yeah. accused of writing a few things backwards. You know, that's true. Time went on, but um, yeah, I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even edge into what I was thinking about but you're absolutely right right yeah like the first i remember the first time you and i we got the lp for um led zeppelin four we brought it home we brought it back to your place yeah. put it on a turntable played it backwards and you went white it's really, 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 <laughs> my sweet seat exactly yeah that sounds just like it man it's good yeah but oh man but, it gave me chills at the time yeah and i i was like i couldn't i was just laughing my ass off i couldn't yeah. because, but you know, yeah, all you, didn't, you didn't have that. You didn't have that Catholic guilt in you. No, I didn't. I didn't. But uh, but these televangelists were making these stupid shows at the time. You know, they were turned out on Sunday morning, and they all of a sudden you'd see ACDC and Led Zeppelin and Jews Priest, and mm-hmm. and it's like, what are these guys? And it's like they're trying to break down these these records. You know, they're giving satanic messages when you play them backwards, and uh, and it's like, yeah, they did that. <laughs> But it's like, you know, it's so what? So what? Yeah, it makes it even cooler. advertising dude yeah that's france zappa right um but i should mention you know since we're already up to led zeppelin i should mention that jimmy kind of broke out of his studio work by joining a band called neil christian in the crusaders and so that was his kind of his introduction introduction to uh you know being in an actual touring band um but on uh on august 15th night they had their first um rehearsal as a four-band group of Page, Plant, Jones, and Bonham uh, on, on Gerard Street in London. And um, it was a few months later, actually, when they actually had their first show as the New Yardbirds on October 15, 1968. So I had just been born. I was like... 68 you know, or 66? Six months. 68. Okay. October what? 
October 15, 1968. Yeah, I was about uh, 20 days old. Mm. Um, 20 yeah, days? Yeah, I was yeah. almost two years. Right. So it's almost like... Yeah, I was less than three weeks old. Yeah. Huh. Wow. That, that puts things into perspective, doesn't it? it does. Um, so, you know, they, they finished that uh, tour, but they, you know, they actually came out as Led Zeppelin on October 17, 1968, uh, in a concert at Surrey University. Yeah, and it was not long after that, they were signed to a record deal. Now, no doubt, uh, they had a little boost um, from the Yardbirds to get that deal done, I'm sure. But um, the reviews of the first shows uh, were just, you know, off the charts. The band was, uh, the power of the band was kind of unlike anything that had ever really been heard before. I remember they talked about the Beatles um, playing um, Crosley Field and stuff like that. So it's this is not long after the sound systems were absolutely atrocious for these concerts. And they basically were almost like just a publicity. You mostly heard uh, screaming hiss of, of young girls, really high pitched. Right. And a lot of that audience. It's unlistenable. Yeah. And some of the Ed Sullivan shows I've been watching reruns of, same thing. Rolling Stones are on. He hears the screaming throughout the whole thing. Yeah, right. It drowns out the, uh, you know, and, they, and sometimes the, in the some music. Cases, yes. Yeah. <laughs> they'd use the internet, like in these stadiums, though, and even the gardens. I think that uh, sometimes they would use the the sound system for the arena to pipe the music through. And it was just, mm-hmm. you know. So. Not- Led Zeppelin yeah. just, you know, kind of just blew people's minds right from the top. They got this record deal in November of 1968. Um, I think I had diaper rash that day. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and then on J- January 9th, early in 1969, Led Zeppelin 1 was released. And, uh, you know, this was, uh, you know, the first chords of good times bad times came on and people bow, bow. yeah right bow, it, bow. <laughs> and then um so that i mean i hit the uh you know people word got around word of mouth i guess they, they probably i guess they were on the radio pretty quick you know and um there was a lot of great songs on that first album and I, I like when we talk about the albums. I want to kind of mention, you know, kind of what it, what were your favorites off of? That on was that first album on Atlantic too? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah I think so, it was. So they were already signed, sure. Yeah, yeah. My favorite album? Is that what you're going no, to no, ask? No. Or my favorite no, no. song on Zeppelin One? Or? Your favorite song Thank on you. Zeppelin One? Hmm. I'm putting you on the spot here because it is. Yeah, so I have to have the track list close. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking <laughs> about you know. Communication breakdown, right? Babe, I'm going to leave you. Yeah, good times, bad times. Babe, I'm going to leave you. You shook me. Days and confused. That's side one. Oh, yeah. Your your time is going to come. Black Mountain side. Communication breakdown. I can't quit you, baby. How many more times on side two? I mean, that's just. I got to kind of pick one on each side. Sure. (laughs) Now I'm going to say how many more times. Yeah, that's a good one. That's really. uh, I love the. uh, the beat of that, you know, the, the, the uh, it's very, um, yeah, the, the bass in it, the bass, the bass line is really good in that one. And, you know, and then it, it just, uh, like rises to a crescendo. Most of all those songs are bad, badass. I mean, when you're talking about Robert, Robert Plant's ad living vocals, <laughs> yeah, little Robert Anthony wants to come and play. 
Right. Uh, That's not creepy at all. <laughs> uh, well, I'd have to say, uh, wow, yeah, when you read them off, that you kind of changed my mind. Um, uh, communication breakdown, maybe. Although they kind of wore that out, apparently. Oh. Like when you listen to yeah. how the growing out, wearing it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, I mean, it, that shouldn't be something you judge the quality of the song on. Just, no. just whether you want to hear it at a given time, probably. Uh, no, I heard I it yesterday. It. But then um, when we, um, when, when, wh- how the West was won, when they released that, how many versions of uh, communication breakdown was on that? There was like five, it seemed like. Yeah, or the BBC sessions, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they wore it out. Yeah. So that, obviously, I th- it seems to me that kind of was what maybe the album was supposed to be centered around, but as far as a single, you know. Yeah. I just, you shook me is awfully good, man. We can't not talk about you shook me. Yeah. Especially since uh, Jeff Beck's first album, Truth, also had you shook me with Rod Stewart on vocals. Really? Yeah, also released in 1969. And um, when Robert Plant talks about that, he says, you shook me was more popular than God Save the Queen in England at that time. Everybody was playing you shook me. Yeah. Well, I mean, so when you read this, like I didn't, I just went from memory. All right. I didn't know. And so when you read, I I didn't trust my memory that. that (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, when you, when you, when you read those off, I was like, holy shit, man, that's just like, I mean, that, that would be a great album like today. It is a great album. If it was released today, you know, it it would, um, every track on that is, would it be released as a bunch of singles on the streaming service? Probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, it'd be on, uh, you'd, have to, you'd never hear about it on Spotify until it, it, you'd have to find it somehow. Right. Right. It, it wouldn't it be the radio. Nobody listens to the radio anymore. Right. Rock and roll has a tough time with radio these days. So, yeah. Um, yeah. How many more times? Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of great tracks on that. And, and um, did you say, babe, I'm going to leave you? Um, I mentioned book? it. I didn't pick it yeah. as my favorite, yeah. but it's a very good song. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. Right. Um, but yeah, in my listing of the tracks, I don't think I skipped it. And that was, um, so Jimmy Page played that on the Joan Baez record, right? He, and then he, he did it again on the, on the first Zeppelin record. Mm-hmm. Well, so in jumping ahead to later that year in December, on December 26, 1968, the band commenced its first American tour with a concert in Denver, Colorado. They did, in March of 1969, appear in a uh, filming session. It appeared on the collection that Page released, um, the DVD, the Led Zeppelin DVD. I'm, I'm thinking of one in black and white, and I think uh, Jimmy Page is wearing like an Argyle sweater vest. Oh yeah, yeah. That that that's also. I mean, that's to me, that's the best part of that Led Zeppelin DVD is that you know, bring it on home. That whole set they do right there. I mean, that just sounds amazing. Um, yeah, but I mean, to me, that probably gives you a really good, um, probably the best video of how it would be like to be at a Led Zeppelin concert. You know, at that time, I don't think it any is, of the other yeah. bootlegs. The bootlegs don't sound as good. Um, the other videos, grainy or uh, you know, bad sound quality, that or overproduced, so you, you don't get the raw um, feel of it. Right. But um, but on December twenty seventh, nineteen sixty nine, Led Zeppelin two is released, mm-hmm. and it, um, 
it started it, it was in the top 200 album, album chart for the first seven weeks after it's released um so let's talk about led zeppelin 2 because that was like you know led zeppelin 1 has this great collection of songs but the recording of led zeppelin 2 became iconic because of jimmy's engineering especially on whole lot of love the middle part where it kind of heavily suggests some sort of hallucinogenic stereophonic trip uh with the sounds psychosexual stereo trip yeah kind of uh, buzzing around around your ears uh, and, uh, uh, exactly uh, 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 uh. right right yeah calm down <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he'd use his hand, like just like you're saying in concert, you yeah, do that on the yeah. theremin. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that with the lemon song, of course, a very sexually forward song or album, really. When you think about it, I mean, it's really uh, yeah. Well, heavy. yeah, it starts with whole lot of love. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, squeeze loving. my lemon till the juice right. runs down my leg. Moby Dick, Moby Dick, right? Bring it on home. Yeah, they're all just suggestive, even in the titles. Right. Living love and maybe she's just a woman. Right. And Heartbreaker. About, uh, yeah, about Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, right. What his but, and um, what should never be. I don't know about that one. That might fall outside. Yeah. But yeah. But uh was there was so the token influence that was uh felt in Led Zeppelin too, right? I mean in uh, Yeah, Ramble On for sure. Ramble on, yeah. That would uh pervade the early years for the first you know, all the way up through Led Zeppelin four. Yeah. Ramble on, they got Mordor and Gollum. Right. Yeah, it's but, Hobbity. Yeah. And that's that's all coming from Plant, it seems. He was a Yeah, total I think player. most of the lyrics usually did. Right. And like okay, so the some ones of his lyrics, traditional. <laughs> the lyric I mean, he's a great singer, but some of the lyrics and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but like I was looking at the, the lyrics for Achilles Last Stand one time and I was just like yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, it's like what the hell, you know? Um, he he did he. I don't know. I, like the, maybe the Battle of Troy or something. Yeah, but it just um, I should have wrote some of those notes down. But I, you know, it just seemed yeah. like maybe you can find the notes we took from from when we do this in high school. Right, right. I was I was hoping I'd find those in, in the garage, but I can't dig that deep enough into after, the garage. After, in after a Bible joint or two. And, Stepping up to the turntable. Exactly. That's right. So, yes, we did sit there. I don't know how long it took us. It took us maybe less than a week, maybe. But we went through every album and took notes down of every song that really were totally unscholarly and made very little sense, but uh, sort of captured our feelings about those songs um, for posterity. I don't remember much of any of them. I remember... Coda was a veritable showcase of percussion. That's about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love the, you know, not again, not to get ahead of myself, but I love the drum solo, Bonzo's Montro, and Coda more than I like mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, Just, with, the, with the electronic drums yeah. the, and the uh, steel drums, too, I guess. Right. But, he, I mean, he made the, the song, he made the drum solo sing. I mean, it sounded like, mm-hmm. you know, not only was he had this power, and his ability to keep time and everything, but he, he was able to melodically play those fucking things. I mean, yeah. just amazing. Um, Moby Dick's great too, but Moby Dick. A lot of it might be too, though, the way uh, Page mixed it. Well, it could be. 
It could be. I, I think I read that it was not one session that he put it together. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Paige had talents in the studio. You know, to do that. That's why he keeps tinkering and re-releasing the material. I think. But yeah, uh, feels like that's all he's accomplished in the last uh, few decades is just re-remastering everything. <laughs> right. He hasn't written any music in a long time. I know. Yeah. I want to make love to you, little girl. What am I? What am I? What am I? I wanted to also touch on Jimmy Page's occult activities. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Activities, activities. Yeah. Rumor is that they had a sex dungeon. Oh, and it start out when he bought Aleister Crowley's castle, right? Right, yeah. right. A bullskin house on the uh, shores of the Loch Ness, or overlooking the Loch Ness. This Aleister Crowley was a uh, 20th century, early 20th century occult uh i don't know what figure figure figure. writer Mm -hmm. um you know satanist um Mm -hmm. made famous by ozzy's uh, song mr crowley wasn't the sex magic his big thing crowley yeah Mm -hmm. sex magic and i thought that i might learn something which is why i find it interesting that uh he had to create a sex dungeon that there wasn't one already there well there may have been you know but, Maybe he just yeah, remodeled it. it. Right. He, he didn't necessarily create it. He, he had one. Yeah. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. so, so Crowley, I thought you might learn a little bit about Crowley mm-hmm. by reading his books. You know, what is this sex magic or what, you know, what is, uh, mm-hmm. what, what all does he actually believe? I mean, does he believe in a uh, omnipresent being like Satan that, uh, you know, he actually would root for against God in a battle of, uh, you know, <laughs> pugilistic uh, arena or something like that? Or is it uh, something more earthy or something, you know? So I got the library had a, a book. The Book of Lies. The, the Book of lies. lies. The Book of Lies, exactly. And I never gave it Thank back you. to the library. <laughs> <laughs> so you look real good. So nobody ever got to... But it, it won the he, book he of lies. protected life. the world from it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was a book of nonsense. I mean, because it was like, you know, it, you can read Nostradamus's quatrains or whatever, and uh, you can piece that together and make some sense. But this just wandered all over the place. Really, the only line that I remember, it seemed like the only mind, line that mattered was, uh, do as thou wilt be the whole of the law. In other words, do whatever the fuck you want. You know, fuck whatever you want, kill whatever you want. So basically he was a hoe and used something he could, uh, used a uh, fake philosophy to uh, justify his own. 
he was uh he sounds like trump <laughs> yeah he does sound like trump yeah i wouldn't be surprised if if reincarnation trump has can be a real bitch <laughs> you know but uh page thought he was fantastic obviously he thought you know mm. he, he spoke right to his heart so so he, basically page was a hoe well he did he didn't only want mm, to no nah, page was into like young girls yeah, right like oh. one at a time Lori Maddox. okay well to me um like you know wholeness isn't necessarily like multiple people or anything but you know i mean but it's it's like justification of using people to me ho is use yeah so you know i guess i mean what were they getting out of their relationship with him you know did they think that they were getting something as well or was gonna, he just taking what he wanted i'm gonna guess heroin oh. okay well we had a friend Richard, and I think he may have known a little bit more about it because he claimed to have probably yeah, he knows quite a bit more about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about Richard, the alchemy theories he had. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, brought it up in Stairway to Heaven. But he also had some input on the sex magic and, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, uh, using um, substances, um, yeah. the anatomy. He's much women. better read on these subjects than we are. Yeah. The anatomy of on. women? Does the anatomy change for sex magic? Does is the there anatomy, a special anatomy? I think there's they, there's some kind of weird bloodletting involved. Isn't oh, and you have to take it from certain places. Mm-hmm. I've heard things like that before. Something like that's that. in the dichotomy of a lot of the uh, fiction that I read. Well, the links you'll go to get what you want. Yeah, because you <laughs> you practice this sex magic, and then uh, Satan, the whole empire of Satan, becomes open to it at your disposal and. Yeah, well, then we're not going for At least that. in the mind of Paige, I guess. Yes. Such yeah. things as a uh, stairway to heaven comes pouring out of your fingertips uh, or you're going through your mind, you know. So it's kind of his version of the crossroad. Or you steal it from spirit. Or you steal it from, <laughs> yeah. steal it from wow. spirit. Steal it from spirit. That's heavy now. <laughs> yeah, right. Dude. I'm sure Paige found that um, mm-hmm. you know, part of the whole. It probably delighted. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, that that second layer, right? But I, I thought that this angle for Led Zeppelin was mystical. I thought it was cool, you know. It was uh, scary, scary, and but I like you know I kind of like spooky stuff, and yeah. dark stuff. So and, and that, good that, scary uh, movie, kind of. right? Yeah. So I think that all played into the lore of the band. Well, there should be more Jimmy Page out there, other than right. the uh, this, the firm, and that the soundtrack Outrider, right? And the soundtrack for Death Wish. Soundtracks for Death Wish, Death Wish Two Oops. or something. Yeah, there should be more. There definitely should be. And I, I feel like that uh, he's not. It's not that he's resting on his laurels. It's just that he he knows that he should be writing more music because he talks about. It. He's talked about it all throughout his adult, you know, his post Zeppelin career. Next year, I'm coming out with new music. You know, or I'm gonna, yeah. you know, I'm gonna work with Roy Harper or whoever. You know, and, but I know he did. Uh, I know he did the firm. You know, the firm yeah. was a good project. That was a, that was was a good singer. Yeah, but for the most part, um, the first time you and I saw Jimmy Page, right? The yeah. only time I saw Jimmy Page, probably for you too, huh? Yeah, that was the only time. Yeah, and that and, toured it and, for, and Paul Rogers, the only time I saw him. Yeah, and I've grown I've grown an appreciation for Paul Rogers as I've gotten older. You know, Bad Company is a great band, really. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, there's some good songs there, good pop songs. Right. Um, but I would like to have, uh, 
I would like to see that it just would have made me happier because it feels, it feels like he's always wanted, he's always wanted to bring Zeppelin back in. He's always wanted to do another tour. He always but wanted to. And Robert Plant. Bonham was the soul of the band, man. It wouldn't have yeah. been. It never was the same. With somebody else. Yeah. He was the chops. You know, he was the. Yeah. You know, you can't do Zeppelin time. without Bonzo. You can't do Fish without John Fishman. Mm-hmm. Can't do Rush without Neil Peart. There's certain drummers that they they are the engine, right? And they're right. the only one that can be the engine. Yeah, well, yeah, he. Uh, I mean, probably the greatest drummer ever, right? I mean, is that yeah? Too much I, I to would, say or, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's tough. I know, but it's like I'm. I'm going to try not to say John Fishman and, and say yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. or Neil Peart or Buddy Rich, right? But um, but his sound, man. His heavy, heavy sound, and, you know, this huge sticks and the, right. just the thunderous booming he gave everything was when the levee breaks. What, when that starts, groundbreak. Yeah, I mean, that's just you feel like they're going to break, but they never do. <laughs> well, probably does toward the end. Yeah, man. Yeah, maybe it does. Yeah. The song fades out. <laughs> but for Keith, no, no, by, the, by then you're in Chicago, going to Chicago. Right. River gonna take me home. <laughs> going down, going down. Oh no, maybe they drown. They're going down, going down. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's um. Are they going down cool. to Chicago, or did they drown? And have we did we address that when we were teenagers? <laughs> I doubt it. That seems like something we may have. That's, lost a, that's a Zeppelin four question, and as far as I know, we're still on Zeppelin two. Yeah, we're still on Zeppelin two. Um, <laughs> but um, okay, so let's get up. So after after Zeppelin two. And, and it was like, uh, you know, again, it, 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 perception was it topped Zeppelin one. Although, like I said, from what you said before, Zeppelin one is nothing to fucking apologize for. It was an amazing album too. But, but I think a whole lot of, did love, I read off the, did I read off the tracks for Zeppelin two? No, go ahead and do that if you got that. So side one, whole lot of love, what is and what should never be, the Lemon song, thank you, heartbreaker, live in love and made, she's just a woman, ramble on, Moby Dick and Bring It On and we, we called out most of those songs when we were uh, saying the ones with suggested titles but we didn't do them in order <laughs> or, yeah. or make necessarily completely yeah right well we're not scholars you know but we're shooting the breeze here yeah but so in early uh, 1970 uh, they got you know they, I guess they looked at their body of work and said well you know what we're going to get a little bit more mellow here we're going to we're going to go out to Bromoir and how to pronounce mm-hmm. it Willie Dixon has a writing credit on whole lot of love. I did not oh, realize that. So well, I think, yeah. But if you break a, if you break down some of his old songs, you probably find passages of lyrics. And yeah. Stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm surprised he's credited. Yeah, you're <laughs> <Surprised> right. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's right. Surprised he got the credit. Right. But, uh, so they they convened to Bromwar. I think that's how you pronounce it. Wales could be. Yeah. And they wrote Led Zeppelin three, which of course has um, opens with the immigrant song, which has appeared on a lot of you know, television shows and movies like Shrek and uh, School of Rock and uh, and uh, um, Thor, the third Thor movie. Yep, Thor Ragnarok. That's the one. Yeah. So that was kind of the feature, uh, you know, kind of a traditional Led Zeppelin hard rock song. But when you start to flesh out the whole album, you look at the whole album, um, there are many more folksy, 
um, uh, elements to it. Yeah, the Roy Harper influence. Yeah, yeah. Read off Zeppelin three. So, so Zeppelin three side one kicks off with the immigrant song, then uh, goes into uh, Friends. Is that where I say uh, we got to get this airplane out? No, it's Black Cat's. Uh, yeah. That's on Friends. Physical graffiti, right? Yeah, I got the wrong one. So yeah, immigrant song, then Friends, then Celebration Day. Friends does end with an airplane sound. Wow, wow, wow. That's why we did this game. And then again, yeah. so, so I mean, celebration like day. Then uh, we go bluesy since I've been loving you. And uh, I don't know how to classify out on the tiles. That's pretty odd. Uh, pretty odd uh, baseline it's got going there. Yeah, that's the one. That closes out side one. Yeah. Side two opens with Gallows Pole. Yeah. A traditional folk song with with a tragic ending for the protagonist. Um second song's Tangerine, followed by That's the Way. So a couple mellow ones to follow for Gallows Pole guy. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Bronwar Stomp, which uh, I listened to Zeppelin three today. Uh, made me miss my dog, man. It's a good song. Aww. It's a good stomp. Then uh, it ends with Hats Off to Roy Harper. So yeah. in that instance, they're not just stealing the lyrics; they're stealing the voice. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to mimic. It. I, I think what they're stealing though is, is not Roy Harper. There's some other guy um, with like an African name, and it's it's him that they're accusing it of stealing, like "Shake Him On Down" or whatever. Shake it, shake it down. Yeah, I'd have to yeah. look that up again. But just a very um, different record than the first two. Um, very, very different record than the first two. Yeah. Probably I I, less well received. I think it was controversial. A lot of third records are not well received, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are, are the breakthrough record for different bands. Third records are different, are weird. Yeah, but well, I have to say, I think I really, really love "Since I've Been Loving You." You know, the blues. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a really heavy blues song. Uh, pretty. Uh, there's another song yeah. on "Presence" we'll talk about later, maybe. But it's probably Deeper the one. Yeah. That's, yeah. But I think those go together like peanut butter and jelly. You can't, I, I can't talk about since I've been loving you without talking about T for one. Nobody right. ever knows T for one. Yeah. <laughs> Casual fans. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I love presence and then I heard Mick Wall on his podcast talk about it being a weak album or, or something. And I just, I can't agree with that. It's my, my favorite. My yeah. It's my favorite hands down. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, so in late May of 1970, uh, they, you know, they go to uh, Headley Grange to do some recording. And I believe that they use um, the Rolling Stones traveling studio to start working on Led Zeppelin IV, which is sort of the seminal, you know, I don't know if you would agree, but I mean, probably the seminal Led Zeppelin album is Led Zeppelin IV, also known as Runes or just uh, Led Zeppelin. Um, uh, and in the documentary, It Might Get Loud, which was really good, about with Jack White and Jimmy Page and The Edge from uh, U2, uh, they revisited Headley Grange, and they kind of went through some of the techniques that Jimmy used to um, record the album. I remember they, they kind of demonstrated how he uh, 
uh, staged microphone inside a stairway and, and set the bonzo down at the bottom of the stairwell and create got these tremendous echoes and sounds. Um, real, that's a really good movie, by the way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. But the culmination of all this work is Led Zeppelin four. Um, yeah. Which was released on November. Usually 8th. regarded as their masterpiece, I guess. Right, because it's got Stairway to Heaven on it. Yeah, November eighth, nineteen seventy one. Opens with Black Dog. It's a really good rock and roll song. Wait, wait, does it, oh, read yeah. it off. Read off the set. <laughs> it does open with Black Dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then Rock and Roll, The Battle of Evermore, Stairway to Heaven. Four songs on side one, and there's four songs on side two. Misty Mountain Hop. Four sticks going to California, and when the levee breaks, there's some serious drums on side too. Yeah, and and you can see in that group of songs, and there's, there's that cymbal some... ride on rock and roll on side one to open it too. There's there's drums all over that. Like nice use the engine. Yeah, great songs on that one. I mean, you can see you you can see the influence of you know it's all come together. You got the, the you got the, the heavy sound of the first two albums. You got the acoustic and the mellow, you know, like going to California, you know, from Led Zeppelin, you know, could have been a Led Zeppelin three song, even though it's on four. Yeah. Plus you have. Same with uh, Battle of Evermore. That could have been on Zeppelin three. Yeah. So. Fact, I think you thought it was. Yeah. Right. And I, I think, you know, Stairway to Heaven, there's no question it's a masterpiece of a song. But I think if you're a true Led Zeppelin fan, that's probably not your favorite song. Yeah. It was um, it was Sandy Denny, the the female vocals on Battle of Evermore, and okay. also on uh, Rock and Roll, it's Ian Stewart on piano. All right, get their credits in there. Yeah, but um, sorry, well, I, yeah, Battle of Evermore. Well, I just think Stairway, though. I think Stairway, you know, first of all, it's been isn't it on Ginsburg That's really, if, if you think about it, could also have gone on Zeppelin three. Yeah, easily. Right. I mean, also... I've never thought about it before before it came out of my mouth, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the lore that uh, Robert Plant wrote the lyrics in like a half an hour or something, and just yeah, even less, it just it was... poured right out. Of it. Right, and and then the hose, he, he reached up into the cosmic hose. Yeah, and uh, some have claimed, like our friend cosmic Richard, energy. Everybody goes, yeah, bash, <laughs> right. Like our friend Richard suggests, did this may have been the first time I heard it. It may have been Hammer of the Gods. Oh, Richard's alchemy theory, yeah. That it was an alchemy um, equation that if you could decipher Stairway to Heaven, then you'd be, you know, rewarded with the ability to, to make gold. With the ability to rock. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but for, for a lot of people, though, it's just. The Guinness Book of World Records, it's the most heavily played song in the history of rock and roll. You know, it's just like, yeah. and, heavily requested, you know. And it's a long one for that distinction. Mm-hmm. But, right. When there's somebody here to... Eight minutes? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's seven minutes and, you know, change. Not, like, yeah. all, like, all of another minute almost. Yeah, Wikipedia says 802, but I think that might be adding dead air. Cause I thought it was less than 802. I did too. Yeah. I was talking yeah. So it, it, it's right about it. <laughs> I mean, it's just to me, it's, um, yeah.
be a good time to say around the same time there was a band called uh, Spirit that released a song called Taurus that featured and I hope I don't have that backwards but it featured uh, that's that's right I think yeah the the intro to Stairway to Heaven strongly resembles the the actually the body of the song of Taurus by Spirit and um, I've listened to it and yeah, I can see that I can hear the familiar, you know, the, the resemblance, um, anybody that's honest can, and I can imagine that, that, you know, given Zeppelin's, uh, propensities, they may have it's, lifted uh, recorded it. in 1967 on their debut album. Okay. So it'd been around for a while, but, um, long enough to steal. <laughs> but I mean, there's still part of me that says stair, uh, that that part of Stairway to Heaven is not the best part of Stairway to Heaven. The best part of Stairway to Heaven is the guitar solo, yeah, right in the middle of it. And that, yeah, well, no, I, I wouldn't call it the middle, but yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> towards the end, that, that's phenomenal. That's that's what yeah. the yeah, that's why he paid the admission. Right, right. So I'm on Led Zeppelin's side. I don't think you know. I feel bad if the guy got. Uh, yeah, in fact, the 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 you know, I should know his name, but. The guy who wrote the song has passed, and it's actually his estate or his family that's uh, bringing lawsuits. They have brought lawsuits to Led Zeppelin. Uh, Randy California. That's the guy's name, apparently. Okay. Um, and uh, Zeppelin won in court. So... Sounds like a porno. <laughs> I'm Randy California. Yeah. What's your the name cable of your and... <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, but Led Zeppelin 4... Uh, another one that just rocks from beginning to end. Just, I mean, just amazing album. Um, and so, you know, after Led Zeppelin IV, uh, it, it, it enters the Billboard Top 200 album charts and peaks at number two and remained on the uh, chart for five years. Number two, I guess, probably to Dark Side of the Moon or something like, I don't know. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, maybe, maybe Michael Jackson passed them up too. Well, in those but days, album, yeah, those album charts meant more than they do today. The singles charts what counts today, but um, right. But um, Thriller probably it, it may have outsold Zeppelin IV at one point. Not possible. Well, yeah, probably so. But this this is um, you know at the time it peaked at number two. It never got yeah, past yes. that was yeah. it was pre pre Thriller. Yeah, and um, it may still be Thriller. I'm just just guessing. Yeah. Um, and, and this was about, you know, right after Led Zeppelin too, that's when the, the recordings for how the West was won were, uh, collected. Um, there was a performance at the forum in Inglewood, I guess, that, uh, appears on the, uh, that collection. Um, I guess, you know, Paige produced that as well, right? That's another example of Jimmy's. Was that how the West was won? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Okay. So it's my March- favorite. It's my favorite. Of- my favorite official release, my favorite live official release, of theirs, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. Um, so in March of 28, 1973, Houses of the Holy was released. Uh-huh. Another, it gets redundant to say, but another excellent offering by the, by the dudes. Um, on that one, we have Song Remains the Same. The Rain Song. Um, yep, the rain song. Love the rain song. That's a very mellow song, you know. It's got um, no quarter. Yep, and over the hills and far away. Not to get out, not to get you out of order there. <laughs> well, I was um, I was going by the Roman numerals, and now I have. 
Oh, okay. Hey, go ahead. <laughs> Get it in order. Now, yeah, I, I was cheating on the links instead of clicking. I was uh, typing in the Roman numerals and I biffed it on them. Okay. <clears throat> Side one. Song remains the same. The rain song. Over the hills and far away. The crunch. I love the crunch. Yeah. Side two. Dancing days. Your maker. No quarter. And the ocean. They've done yeah. four already. Now they're steady. Yeah. Yeah. Two, one, two, three. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, uh, No Quarter is a showcase for John Paul Jones. That, uh, no Quarter is a great song. Um, and I, I'm not a big fan of key, yeah, keyboards, you know, to, but. In well, the, the guitar sense, in that's great too, though. Wow, 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 Yeah. Yeah. And the version on uh, The Song Remains the Same is excellent of No Quarter. Um, Very good version. Yeah. Over the hills and far away. I like it's not just something I like to tell somebody that I'm annoyed with, you know. <laughs> tell them where to go. Yeah, that's 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 it's solid. my grandma's house on Thanksgiving. <laughs> song remains the same, you know. Um, that's a real powerful guitar riff at the beginning of that. Um, really abrupt. Mm-hmm. Really cool. And the ocean, the ocean's like different from anything else that I can think of that they that they did. What's- that's another one that sounds like he probably wrote something backwards. Yeah. And Jermaker, I guess, I guess you could put that in the same category. Very that different. One I think he, he did, I think, do some backwards reggae for that. Mm-hmm. So I think that thing, that album, again, showed, it's amazing how, okay, you look at ACDC's career, you hear, it's aside from the when the, the singers changed, you hear something from 1974 and you hear something that they did for Kmart. And a lot of it is the same, right? Mm-hmm. With the great band, you can actually start, you can see these trends and these creative shifts that take place from album to album. And with Zeppelin, it seems to be almost chron- chronological. Oh, absolutely. You know, sort of, yeah, with the, the heavy at first and the, the, the mellow, then the combination in Zeppelin 4. And now we start getting these really different songs you know jamaica and uh, the ocean and um, no quarter no quarter yeah kind of a size dancing days we haven't mentioned dancing days yeah another funky little melody yeah so um, all these things um drove me you know when you started to like i said at the beginning when you start to look at it when you start to binge it and you start to look at it in sequence um, unlike you can a band that's actually right in the middle of their career and you, you don't know where it's going next. Um, it's a unique perspective. And that drove me to Zeppelin. And the other thing drove me to it. And we talked about this the other day is I was not satisfied very much with the music at the times when we were in high school, I was not really satisfied with new wave or, with mid eighties music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and even the, yeah, the rock and roll at the time was all, I don't know, it seemed like a formulaic to me, the the rat and poison of it all. Yeah. It's heavily, yeah. Hair bands, synthesizers, um, Guns and Roses might've been the best of that. And, but still they, you know, same, I mean, yeah, I was looking for the next Zeppelin and didn't find it in the eighties. No, you found weak snake and, um, uh, found Billy Squire. Billy Squire, <laughs> you know, I like some of Billy Squire. You know, found uh, the Robert Plant solo stuff. Yeah, right. But uh, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't <laughs> discover like 
talking heads and some of the ska stuff till really the 90s. Right. A lot of that didn't make it to Cincinnati radio. Well, Lisa accuses me of being harsh and like criticism of movies and music and stuff like that. Like I, I really it's just get. A, it's just your opinion. Right. It's just my opinion. And and there's and there's how exceptions. You, how you there. feel about a given thing. It's, you know. Yeah. And, and there's exceptions to everything. It's not always objective. Right. Like I think the Pretenders was a great band that kind of flourished in the eighties. You know, I like Susie and the Banshees, you know, I like Kate Bush. Yeah. You know, I like there are things I liked. I like Springsteen, you know, there it's, it, there's outlier, there's things, but I think people have kind of a revisionist history at the time. It was pretty bad. With Born this. to run third album. Yeah. It's one of those breakthroughs. But Led Zeppelin uh, came along. Even Ozzy sucked, I thought, <laughs> during the eighties, because I didn't like the, this you know, his collaboration with Lita Ford and his kind of sellout to the whole hair. Uh, band. That was that was later eighties, yeah. Seemed like it was it seemed like he was a little bit of a sellout. Ironically he had Lita Ford stuff might have even been ninety into the nineties. Okay. Well he did have Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes was great, but his first two uh, albums, yeah, with Randy Rhodes, and then uh, Bark at the Moon, yeah, was his first non-Randy. I, I just feel and, like some of our friends, you know, you're at a party or something like that, and it was um, always the first thing just want to have fun comes on or something oh, that, that was popular from the '80s, and you got like and people had this revisionist history. Oh, I love the '80s, or they would see the Wedding Singer or something like that. But the, the '80s was terrible as a whole. I mean, there were exceptions to every rule, but. The, as a whole, yeah. when you start to look at all of it, you know, if you look at the, what was that, Flock of Seagulls and shit like that. I mean, some of that stuff was terrible. I mean, yeah. and, and so here's Zeppelin, who was fair, you know, yes, they were done, right? But they had been done for less than a decade. I mean, and to find this music, when I did, I, you know, I was with, um, you know, I was friends with Phil Brock, and he kind of turned me on to Macy DC and Old Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. And so finding it was like an epiphany, you know. So, that, so during this '80s, what I considered a downtime, I thought, you know, that's kind of when I discovered Led Zeppelin. So it was kind of magical. to that that's awesome um yeah, yeah I, I mean i knew a lot of led zeppelin before the i'd, I'd say it goes back to the late 70s for me really but um yeah bonham died in 80 and news wasn't like it is now with the 24-hour entertainment news i didn't find out until i like you know heard about it or read about it weeks later yeah. probably wasn't even rolling stone <laughs> right. but uh yeah unless unless you read the papers you know, I can, probably didn't find it and what was I, 11, 12? He yeah. passed on my 12th birthday, actually, December 25th, 1980. Not wow. that's Christmas, September 25th. Well, 
I kind of remember getting on the school bus the next day and the kids were talking about it. But at that point I had no idea who it was, but for some reason I, you know, it was packed yeah. enough that the kids were talking about it. So I, uh, that would have been the beginning of seventh grade for us. And you know, that's when I moved to Norwood. I didn't know anybody. Um, but in May 5th, 1973, off of Led Zeppelin four, kind of attesting to their mercurial rise and their conquering of the world. They performed in front of 60,000 people at Tampa stadium. Um, the Beatles Shea Stadium U.S. attendance record was broken. Um, I, I believe that before the O2 Arena show, I think they showed clippings of that when they got off the plane. They were talking about, you know, their, how they had, you know, conquered more, more famous than the Beatles or something. So Led Zeppelin four, but then they're, they're on top of the world. They had their Starship airplane, you know, but this like hawking ex wrestler, nasty son of a bitch. Uh, managed the band and he was on a granular granular and and executive producer right yeah and he would protect the brand like a gangster and in fact portrayed a gangster and song remains the same but um, yeah and uh so around this time and it's documented in that movie um they were robbed of two hundred three thousand dollars at the drake hotel and the crime was never solved so there was another character in addition to Grant that was in the Led Zeppelin circle that's kind of controversial. And his name was Richard Cole. Richard Cole. Yeah. And he was the the guy that really fed all the Red Snapper. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Red Snapper story. Yeah. But he's the one that kind of fed the writer, Stephen Davis, the writer of Hammer of the Gods, a lot of his intel, you know, a lot of his uh material for that book and some people believe that uh cole was uh duplicitous or shifty enough to maybe have stolen this money i don't want to be libelous but um because when hammer to gods came out the, the, the band sort of refuted cole's role or kind of minimized his role in the band and refuted some of the stories in there the main one being the mud shark story when they went to <laughs> seattle at the, I forget what, it, the, I got it written down here, that there was a hotel where they could fish off of the balcony of the hotel, and they caught a mud mud shark, and um, I think it was called the Imperial Hotel, and okay. uh, and there was a group That inspired the Frank Zappa song, The Mud Shark. Yeah, okay. Actually, um, I think the Vanilla Fudge did the mud shark. That one did the red snapper. Okay, that's an important distinction. Because I did read that Carmine Apici did take responsibility, or said that Vanilla Fudge did take responsibility for the mud shark. Yeah, Frank Frank Zappa says that uh, he once when they were touring with the Vanilla Fudge, um, you know, they, he he didn't describe exactly what happened, but he just started going into the, the you know, taught him the mud shark dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know how deep you want to go into what Richard Cole did with well, the Red Snapper. Well, I mean, it's something that uh, if any if any member of the band participated in that, they never wanted to admit it later. They don't they they didn't want that to stain their legacy because it is really a criminal act. When you think about, you know, what they did was pretty. Uh, yeah, they, they, that's, that's an assault for sure. Yeah, it was an assault. Yeah, um, yeah was, um, she was, I guess, a redhead all over. So <laughs> yeah. Let's see how your red snapper likes this red snapper. That quote, I've, I've heard that quote before. Yes, definitely. Um, 
So uh, Cole um, also wrote his own book about Led Zeppelin later. I read that one for some reason, and I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> Did you um, buy it or get it from the library? I bought it. We were getting ready to take a trip oh, to somewhere. You gave money. Yeah. We were taking a trip somewhere, and I saw it in the airport bookstore or something. I'm like, oh, uh, I'm going to be spending hours. Actually, we were taking a bus. Yeah. When an airport, yeah. so if you be spending hours, you're, and I was like, "You're hungry for reading material." I'm sure it was uh, interesting, but did it did it make you angry or anything while you read it? Or what was your reaction to his book? Um, I kind of took it in stride because um, I, I haven't read it. Don't know anything about it. Uh, well, he, he really played the angle that he was like really one of the band. He was like the fifth member of Led Zeppelin. You know, he was always talking about him and Plant were you know buddies and going in on pranks and you know, talking about Bonzo, you know, I, I don't know if the, this revelation comes. I believe from, he was the uh, yeah, Bonzo instigator in chief. I don't doubt that. Yeah. But um, there was a story where Bonzo that our friends from rock and roll heaven talked about. I can't remember if I read it in that, in, in Cole's book as well, but there's a rumor, not a rumor. Uh, Bonzo used to like to take a dump in women's purses and their shoes. Oh, classic. Yeah. So he would, uh, Cole had many, you know, fun stories like that, you know, that he would that told in that book. And I can't think in a name. Look it up. Richard Cole's the author. <laughs> yeah. On a semi-related story, my wife in a hardware store walking down the aisle stepped in some human feces uh, one day a few years back. Oh. Not sure quite how it got there, but it was uh, it was there. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the store clerks were shocked. Everybody was like aghast. And, right. uh she had, uh, her, we started calling that, that shoe after that the Espoo drill. Espoo yes, drill. <laughs> anyway, back, back to Bonzo shitting in shoes. Yeah. Well, okay, so a lot of this is kind of chronicled because it, it, this is 1973, and it's around the time that they were shooting the footage for The Song Remains the Same, the live Led Zeppelin movie album. So the song remains the same is a set list that was very indicative of their 1973 world tour. Like if, if you um, had caught them on that tour, then the, the song, the, the song selections and the order in which they were played was very similar to what you saw in song remains the same. And the thing that I thought was interesting about that movie was that uh, Zeppelin kind of had a faceless mystique to me before that. It's like, I had never mm-hmm. seen them in, play before i saw the super show but it was really grainy and really pretty poor the audio was pretty poor it was like one of those midnight movie showings that we went to that had like all kinds of just different performers performances kind of pieced together kind of you know and found the dvd scene listing okay okay cool <laughs> i'll let you finish your thought and then i'll write it down or be ready yeah so it was it was interesting to see Led Zeppelin perform live or so to speak. Yeah. For the first time. Yeah. <clears throat> the visual, the visual. Yeah. 
versus the audio only. That was that would have been probably a midnight show at the movies repertory cinema, right? Probably. I, I remember going with um, Larry Ebersole the first time I saw it, very first time I saw it. And I'd probably been listening to Led Zeppelin for maybe um, a year, a full year before seeing it or so, or something like that. So I was calibrated. I knew I knew the songs as they came up. Yeah. Um, but just a lot this, of Zeppelin four material. Yeah. But even at that time, you know, 1984 or so, maybe. 83. Yeah, it would have had to have been the repertory. Mm-hmm. They seemed, I mean, it seemed really dated. <laughs> I mean, when you looked at the shit that they were, uh, you know. Even at the time, the effects were probably pretty cheesy. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the scene, scene number one is Mob Rub Out. <laughs> the what? Speaking of the Mob, mob Rub, rub out. out. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And that, 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 like that, don't their heads come off and there's these like, funny tubes sticking out with oh, yeah. multicolored fluid coming right. out. It looked like a dummy with a couple of garden hoses spewing. Yeah. It uh, probably was. Uh, Hawaiian punch all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty, it was Badly pretty done. bad, you know. I mean, really, I you know, like, um, like cheesy Doctor Who at its, its best slash worst. Right. Yeah. And that was exactly Peter, rubber was Peter, suits. You know? mm-hmm. Peter Grant. Grant's fantasy. Right. Yeah. And but otherwise the film was shot beautifully. You know, like the, the yeah. widescreen format. It looked kind of if you if you watched The Godfather, it was kind of reminiscent. The, this fantasy sequence is kind of was reminiscent of that quality. I like, I like the sound editing of Bonzo's fantasy when he's um driving the uh drag dragster. Yeah. During the drum solo. And right. um, and it like puts a close up on the exhaust and you see like it popping out as the drums are popping along with it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hot rod, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, uh, it was a hot rod. Yeah. But it was like a it was like a straight straightaway track. It wasn't So it was, would that be comparable in any way at all to um Queen's I Love My Car? Not exactly. I mean because it it, it mm. you know that the song that was playing was Moby Dick, I believe, and it oh. that wasn't uh, to my knowledge I don't, you know, I guess mm. yeah, it wasn't a car fantasy per se. It was just a part of his whole. It was. It's okay. really like it's, it seems more like these are John Bonham's favorite things. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. So he's a list. Like, yeah, he's he, he's he's into like uh, hot rods and uh, teaching his son to play drums. And, uh, right. Okay. So Jason was in that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little kid on the drums. Yeah. Mm. And in retrospect, his was probably the coolest and the best insight yeah, into the actual The most person. interesting because, yeah, it's real. Yeah. Because he had Robert Plant kind of imagined himself as a knight that needed mm-hmm. to go through the, the forest yeah. and navigate through uh, knights that were, you know, ordered to oh, kill battles. him. To try that to was win. during Nightly Battle. song, right? Wasn't it during No Quarter? Yeah. And the Rain Song. And the Rain it was, Song. It starts with No Quarter. And, and then that song remains the same. Rain song. Yeah, uh, yeah. No quarter. Then who's responsible? <laughs> and the song remains the same. Then. So I guess he's responsible. <laughs> so I guess I guess it's. I think that was with... the the t-shirt bootleggers or something. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a Peter Grant scene, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I liked the uh, you know I liked some of the photography again from Plants 
thing, you know, going through the forest and, you know, he's riding a horse in that panoramic where he's like approaching the cliff and you can see the, how small the, you know, the the horse looks in comparison to the landscape. That was really awesome and everything. And and I was into, you know, the cinematography type aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. His his was the, maybe the most cool cinematography. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then Peter Grant was the cheesiest. Yeah, yeah, right. Bonzo's was the most real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, pages, I remember the, he sort of mimicked Zeppelin Four, where the hermit is on the cliff and he's climbing the face of the cliff to get to the hermit. And then another cheesy moment, he's like sitting on the banks of the Loch Ness or something and looks around, looks around and his eyes, the big red eyes glowed, you know, uh, really bad you know really bad effect <laughs> in retrospect it was kind of you know not yeah, so I forgot about that yeah and then yeah, his, his is probably second worst to uh worst second worst to um, peter grant yeah um john paul jones's was kind of real mm-hmm. ah tour dates this is oh, tomorrow yeah. tomorrow yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's like you know sleeping yeah. through a test or something a bad dream kind of well, isn't he like telling a story to his kids or something? Yeah, he starts, he's, he's reading a story to his kids, and uh, there's like a courier that delivers a letter. It's the mm-hmm. tour dates he starts tomorrow. Fee, five, fo, fum. Grind your bones to make my bread. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Begin by saying fee, five, fo, fum. Yeah. Well, it's fun yeah. to say. I'm sure kids yeah. love, you know, kids love that. Yes. Especially English kids. Yeah. Absolutely, but um, getting uh, pages was daring that epic thirty-minute version of Days and Confused. Now I've heard people say that the song remained the same was a bad night for the band, and that you know it wasn't their best performances. And even the members of the band have said that. But I have to say that it the guitar work that Page does in Days and Confused always blows my mind. sample um going to san francisco they sample some other song of course they always sample some other songs yeah that whole uh, minnesota blues thing yeah but that I, if i were to isolate one performance from that movie that, your baby shake one time for yeah that was really you know it's almost like an entire half of an album really to listen to that one song yeah it's like 27 minutes of change if i remember right yeah but i think after the movie was released, they actually had to reconvene months later to shoot those close-ups. Like, I always thought when I first saw it, oh, there's some cameraman uh, down in the in the orchestra pit. It's roaming around, taking these shots of the band as they're yeah. you know, going over. But when that's the case, you see the cameraman in the shot. Yeah. From the other camera sometimes. Right. If that were the case, you would see that. So it never registered uh, until years later when I read it. I said, like, oh, that makes... That makes perfect sense, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, plant, they, the cameraman would make sure to get these shots of Robert Plant, you know, thrusting his hips into the, to the uh, camera and Paige like doing the thing with his hand where it seems like he's guiding the sounds and stuff and, and uh, kind of conducting. Yeah. And, and all that came together. And even though it was kind of retro and weird, I thought, man, this is so much better 
than some of the shit that we're confronted with today, you know? And uh, so that, that yeah. the imagery from that film kind of influenced the silly shit I started wearing around school. <laughs> yeah. Like? Well, like Zeppelin Day, you know? Patches, oh, okay. on, our, patches on our crotch. Yeah, I had, I had oh. patches. You know, Robert Plant had doves on his crotch. Uh-huh. You couldn't find dove tattoos. Yeah, I couldn't find those, so I got stars. Okay. So I'm sure all the women were being driven crazy. Although oh, they yeah. never could. By the, by the red, white, and blue star on yeah. Something we could, something they couldn't admit, but we're very excited by. Oh, you know, they're very diminutive. You know, the way sure, women, you know. the way women really, really enjoy a good twenty-minute guitar solo. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> There's a heavy bias against guitar solos in our household. That's for sure. I see. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it's a heavy bias, but I'm not. I'm not the biggest guitar solo fan. After about, oh, I don't know, the first five minutes of a guitar solo, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, and? Yeah, Yeah. well, some of them could, you know, they could uh, take it down a notch or, you know, consider a bathroom break or something. After after five minutes, we got it. You're good. (laughs) Um, We bow to your greatness. Shut up. Sometimes it goes somewhere. It's a journey and it has a beginning in it. Well, also, for whatever doesn't get you there. Yeah, for 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 whatever reason, especially if there's tension and release. So okay, but for I'm I'm not a person who enjoys instrumentals. Uh, I've never enjoyed instrumentals ever. So you know, I do not know why. But the first songs are instrumental. (laughs) (laughs) No quarter was excellent. Good showcase Mm -hmm. for John Paul Jones. Yeah. And the rain song was really good. Um, you know, to me, it, it sounded the good. Same song say, the same, man. Yeah, it sounded, I don't know. I guess if, if that was a bad you night, you I can't guess. can't address the rain song without the song remains the same. They, they segue. Yeah, right, right. Kind of like um, the Lemon song and uh, Living Loving Made, right? Well. Or not the Lemon usually, song. Yeah, but, they, but on like cassettes, they mess that up. Yeah. They change the order. Didn't That's they really? Not important. Yeah. yeah. It was, well, uh, if it's important to you, then it matters. I think it was uh, like maybe Thank You in the Living Love Made. No, it's Hartford. Yeah. It was like it was on Led Zeppelin 2 or some kind of. Uh... Yeah, on, on Zeppelin 2, if you got the cassette version, it was different, sound, oh. different order than the album version. And uh, and Heartbreaker and Living Love and Made were split up. Yeah. Well, it frustrated me. They gave away Led Zeppelin 2, uh, like Google play or somebody I, I can't remember i picked up led zeppelin 2 for free somehow off of a platform they gave it away one day i was like you know i'm not not taking led zeppelin 2 if they're giving it away for free it's like i'm I'm not if i go to the uh thrift store and i see led zeppelin 2 or anything from the led zeppelin catalog i'm not yeah. letting it, i'm not leaving it there for somebody to uh, pick up and not know. be you yeah <laughs> well, how many how many copies of Led Zeppelin two do you have? Then? Well, um, well, that's a very good question. After what I just said, and I, I, I think I'd only have one plus the digital. But uh, but the point is, I don't see it very often. I'm just saying uh, the same holds yeah. true for any other great album I see in a thrift store. I'll pick it up even if I never play it, just to you know, because it's kind of yeah. sad. Yeah, because we don't there. even currently have a turntable. <laughs> if you can, if you can find the cheap the cheap vinyl, yeah. They're even cool. It's just pieces of art. Anyway. Right. Yeah. But, uh, getting back to Zeppelin, I mean, mm-hmm. okay, so the song remains the same. 
in retrospect, they, they said these things like it wasn't a great night. Some of them were somewhat embarrassed by the fantasy sequences and thought they were kind of cheesy. And, and they're probably right about that. But I still think it's a very good document for um, kind of getting an idea. So in February of 1974, Page, Plant, and Bonham attended a Valentine's Day concert at the Rainbow Theater of Roy Harper's. So obviously they're fans of Roy Harper's because his name continues to come up, not only in songs and stuff like that, but he he was talking about as a possible replacement for Plant after the band disbanded um, when Jimmy was considering alternate singers. But in May 10th, 1974, Swan Song Records was created. And over the course of Swan Song's uh, um, existence, bands like Bad Company, Pretty Things, Dave Edmonds were on the label. And these bands, all these bands and, uh, you know, uh, individual singers or whatever, seem to have not only, they're not, they weren't just on the label because they may have been um, lucrative to the label, but because the band actually had an interest in their music. I mean, they really enjoyed these bands. So Swan Song, it was kind of a, I don't know, I'm sure it was an enterprise designed to make them millionaires, but it was also um, a vehicle for other artists. Yeah. Yeah. An artistic effort with good intentions. So So I guess the most famous non-Zeppelin Swan Song label members would be Bad Company. Anybody bigger than that? I don't think so. Not unless you consider Pretty Things. Bad Company was pretty big. Yeah. And and I kind of laid the groundwork probably for the firm down the road, you know, and it, it probably uh, the relationship probably evolved from that. Yeah. Um, but in February of 19, February 24th, 1975, physical graffiti was released. And I guess I was incorrect to say this, that song remains the same was the first on Swan Song. Physical graffiti was the first album released on Swan Song. Which uh, a lot of that was outtakes from the yeah Led Zeppelin three. There were things that were supposed to be on Led Zeppelin three that and Houses of the Holy. Uh, yeah, like, like the song Houses. Right. For example. And, yeah. And what? Yeah. Go ahead. Do you have that set list in front of you? It's a long one. Not, for physical graffiti, yeah, it's a four sider. Yeah. yeah, I do. Oh wow. Yeah, this is it's a powerhouse of an album, man. Yeah. Side one: Custard Pie, The Rover. In my time of dying. Side two, Houses of the Holy, Trampled Underfoot, Cashmere. Side three, In the Light, Noir, Down by the Seaside, Ten Years Gone. Side four, Night Flight, The Wanton Song, Boogie with Stew, Black Country Woman, Sick Again. Black Country Woman, I believe that's the second song to start off Hey Hey Mom. Yeah. In their oeuvre. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that before. I thought entirely. about it during Black Dog, but couldn't couldn't uh, think of the name of Black it. Country Woman. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't come up with the title at the time. Right, but I've heard critics say that. Well, okay, you got Cashmere on it, and that's a classic. But you know, it's a bunch of crap they threw together to. Uh, Best song know, on there is In the Light. I love In the Light. I mean, I think it. I, I really think it's a dynamite album. I think trampled it's, underfoot. It's, yeah. In my time of dying, it's fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah, they did. They did that in the O2 show, and I think it was the best song they did the whole show. Um, again, uh, kind of taking elements. That from, wasn't really Led Zeppelin. Really, the O2 show. 
Oh, 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 no. Yeah, you're, you're, I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I get that. It's you like, know, uh, it's like yeah. Live Aid when Mooney came into um, breakfast before homeroom with, with us. He said, it was right after Live Aid. He said, hey, man, did you see Zeppelin? Without missing a beat, he said, that wasn't Zeppelin, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it couldn't have been catch. better said. That was that was the words that we were trying to come up with. <laughs> he walked in with them. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's a moon. He's a wordsmith, Mooney. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, he's a songwriter. He yeah. is. Yeah. Have you heard the album? Um, not yet. I've just heard what he played. Yeah. Yeah. When I uh, when I re-listen to the when I get to the podcast, I'm about I got one or two before that. Last one I heard was Jess. Oh, um, okay. But yeah, you're, you're queued up down in my more evergreen area in my. My daily baseball news is up above yours. Time sensitive stuff that I got to know for you know, beating okay. you in fantasy baseball. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's good to know where I stand. <laughs> yeah. I like that. You're right. You're still Perfect. you're still in my queue, baby. <laughs> All right, but um, and, uh, and I go in order. I, I didn't give Mooney any special preference. I, think. Mm. I mean, it's a really it's just a really good album. I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah. well really written. It's to, well yeah. sung. It's produced nicely. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Marianne is just really good on it. You know. Yeah, I think she's yeah. really good for him. But, she um, is, and um, yeah, I don't think I'd ever heard her before. I'd heard him play, mm-hmm. but uh, that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. First live performance on, yeah, uh huh, yeah, uh huh, so, yeah, uh huh. So we can all uh-huh. agree, physical graffiti, you know, yeah, is right uh-huh. up there. It's right up there with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can all agree, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm. But uh, okay, so uh, yeah, physical graffiti is up there, right below presence for me, maybe. Although, you know, it's it's not one of the ones I played this morning mm-hmm. when I when I went for my favorites. Although yeah, I didn't, I, I I played um, presence first. Actually, then I more went in order. Then I played one, two, and three. Yeah, and that well, made up the day. I would say it's definitely, I mean, whoever trashed it is some kind of mishmash of crap they threw together. Uh, it's oh, totally no, no, missing. No. Yeah. No, that's a great, that's another great album. Um, and, you know, it should come as no coincidence that I say so um, with the with the way that I hold Led Zeppelin such high, this, you know, esteem to begin with. Can I now say one more note that I see here from Wikipedia for uh, physical graffiti? Absolutely. On the deluxe edition, there's two songs that I'd never heard of. Um, one of them is uh, Everybody Makes It Through, which, uh, then in parentheses is In the Light, early version slash in transit. One is Brandy and Coke, which is, I guess, an initial rough mix of Trampled Underfoot. Huh. And uh, Driving Through Cashmere, rough orchestra mix of Cashmere. Hmm. Weird. I, I, I don't have that. I don't have that deluxe edition, but that's worth checking out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely worth uh, getting those deep cuts, right? Deep cuts. Deep, deep cuts. Deep. Yes. Give, me, give me the deep cuts. Ouch. It's a deep cut. Oh, that's a deep, deep cut. cut. <laughs> <laughs> so in March 31, 76, Presence is released. We've already um, – well, let me backtrack a little. Between um, the release of The Song Remains the Same – and as they were preparing for the next American tour, Robert Plant was involved with his wife in a car wreck while vacationing in Greece. And the tour was postponed. And during the, his uh, convalescence, I guess, 
okay. is when they recorded presence. And um, we've already talked he was, about. He was in a wheelchair for those sessions. Yeah. Mm. And so uh, it was a pretty big car wreck. Oh, yeah. It was. There are yeah. pictures of the, the car online. It's mm. a mangled mess. It was a little sports car type mm. thing. They were definitely fortunate to, you know, come out alive. Okay. I think he shattered his leg or something Aww. and was in a wheelchair. But they both uh, survived, fortunately. And walked again. Yeah. And they used this time um, industriously to put together a fantastic rock and roll album called Presence. Um, again, very different than any other Led Zeppelin album, in my estimation. Much more of a hard rock uh, much more of a more pog rock elements to it, I guess, than have been uh, included before. Um, Achilles Last Stand, Nobody's Fault But Mine, T for One, um, just a great collection of songs. Do you want to go ahead and just list? Yeah. You could argue know? that some of the some of the earlier Zeppelin stuff was uh, kind of prog too. What does um, prog mean for those of us who are? Listening, but not uh, like um, like a uh, ramble on where they get into all the Tolkien stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's stuff. Um, I, I, the band that always comes to me to mind for me for Prague is Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's progressive. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Short for progressive. Right. Kind of new agey. Some people would say that Rush was Prague. Yeah, maybe Rush is definitely so, Prague. Emerson Lake and Palmer definitely mm-hmm. Prague. Yeah. Jethro so, Tull veers into Prague and folk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I say uh, Prague? Like a country? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or like a Sure, why not? Like a city in, in Czech Republic, I guess. <laughs> Which is like a uh, country. Cities are like countries and, and it's on yes. smaller scale. Right. I think Achilles' last stand is is my jam. Like it's if I'm jam. Like if I just wanna um if I wanna play something that's really uh gets my juices going or whatever, you know, or, or, you know, like the equivalent of welcome to the jungle or something, you know, it's like Achilles last stand is just a wild crazy. I mean, it's just really, the the riff is just really solid. um, Yeah. A lot of, uh, I'd say underrated riffs on this, on this record. Yeah. So I highly recommend presence. Also, uh, yeah, the biggest hit off of it has to be nobody's fault, but mine. Right. Mm. Nobody's fault but mine. And that, that some people claim that there, it's been suggested in, in one of the books that uh, Plant, that was sort of him um, taking ownership of some of the misfortune that had fallen upon him, like the car accident and the death of his son, uh, Carrick. I believe that had happened by then. Um, and yeah. it, it yeah, sort of turned. The accident and his death were within close proximity. Yeah. And, and uh, Jimmy's occult dabblings and i guess plant having some uh, misgivings about that that sort of the theme of that particular song and um, the harmonica playing in that is really good um <laughs> yeah. yeah that's some that is an awesome harmonica solo and and yeah. an awesome riff right and and plants vocals going with it uh, 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 uh. yeah mm-hmm. really great song um i don't know if you want to read off the, that one the, when when John Paul Jones and Bonzo kick in, it, mm. it, it's another gear. Um, yeah, side one, Achilles' last stand, for your life, Royal Orleans. Mm-hmm. Side two, nobody's fault but mine, candy store rock, hot's on for nowhere, and tea for one. 
Yeah. Yeah. T for one, probably my favorite song on. Yeah, again, another great blues song. We talked earlier about that, and yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, since I've been loving part two, as far as I'm concerned. It's a little. It's it's. I want to say it's got a little bit more of a nightclubby kind of uh, feel to it. Yeah, a little little loungier. They're a little older. Yeah, but really good. But Plant's voice got a little deeper, I think, after uh, after the accident too. Mm-hmm. Well, he couldn't, couldn't do the high stuff anymore. Right. It's still, you know, even after the release of Presence, it kind of took them a while to get back into their next American world tour. And they came to Cincinnati for the one and only time on April 20, 1977. And I know this because my sister went to that concert and she got a concert shirt that she later gave to me, (laughs) which was was an awesome shirt. Yeah, it was a cool Mm -hmm. shirt. Yeah, because it had all the imagery from the song remains the same on it and stuff. A uh, guy named Yusuf Kasim wanted that shirt, but he could never uh, have it. Yusuf's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Yusuf. What's that? Shout out to yeah. Yusuf. Shout out to Yusuf. Yeah, he's on Absolutely. Facebook, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. we're Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, the thing about that concert that was interesting, and my uh, sister talked about it, is they had festival seating. And they had problems. They had problems that night. And I, I imagine it wasn't the only concert where they had problems. Yeah, it's like nothing happened that night. To, you know, yeah, it's tragic. Pr- just prior to the, Who, to the Who or, you know, year and a half, two years before. Yeah, it was three years. I mean, you know, the Who, the Zeppelin concert was... The Who was 79. Yeah, the Who was 79, right. And um, but the, the, the lesson that was not learned is that nothing was Zeppelin done about 70- you're, you're, that show was 77 your sister went to or 76? 77. 77, yeah, so two years. Two years, okay. Nothing was ever done about the festival seating, you know, so it's a cautionary still, tale. Still the who, yeah. You know, and there was never uh, festival seating in Cincinnati again. Right. Nope, still not. And, uh, well, the who concert, uh, unfortunately, and people know the tales of that, 11 young Cincinnati kids lost their lives um, in a crush when they heard the band warming up and thought the concert had started and and mass rushed the gates. They, they didn't they didn't open enough gates or didn't open the gates and or partially open them. Whatever yeah. happened, there was a yeah, a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your uh, sister was in something similar. Well she was at both the Zeppelin concert and the Who concert. Terry, I thought Brenda was at the Who Brenda concert. Brenda was Brenda was at both of those. Brenda okay. and Mike attended both of those. But they were inside. They got inside. Yeah. And they had no idea. Nobody, the band yeah. didn't know. Nobody knew. Nobody knew until like. after. Yeah. Uh, sad chapter in our city's history, really. Um, mm-hmm. And the Who 
I know the who feel awful about it. And they actually, uh, before COVID actually came back to Cincinnati to perform a benefit concert, um, to, uh, you know, tremendous reception and for, you know, people, they never any feelings that there were any, you know, nobody in Cincinnati blamed the who. Yeah. It wasn't those guys, but yeah, yeah. I think Roger Daltrey still comes to Cincinnati does charity work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like good aside guy. from aside from the who's performing. Good chap. Yeah. Roger. Fine bloke. Yeah. As far as I know. I thought this was interesting. On July twenty-third of seventy-seven, which is a little couple months after Cincinnati, um the, the, the band Led Zeppelin played two warm-up shows at the Falconer Theater in Copenhagen, otherwise known as the Copenhagen warm-ups which turned into a, um, you know, a very popular bootleg that I know that you have in your collection, right? Yeah, definitely right. do. So, some of the pre-vinyl craze vinyl that I always kept. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, July 23rd, they did these shows in Copenhagen in July, um, finishing off, you know, they started the year, an American tour, went through Cincinnati, and they went to Europe and eventually found their way back to England for their first appearances in England in over four years. Um, on August 11th, um, 1979, the oh, second... I've, I've got more on the Copenhagen warm-up. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, We've got to discuss the back of the album cover, track listing is. Everything is, um, everything is in Japanese, and then it's like, um, it's like somebody's playing opposite day. Uh, Black, Black Dog is Cold Cat. <laughs> stairway to heaven is uh, a, a staircase to above or something like that <laughs> so it's it's yeah. uh hot no black dog was white cat sorry hot dog was cold cat hot dog was on that thing man oh wow remember that how many times have they done hot dog and, and live you know well that might have been something they did there's a there's one youtube performance of it it's pretty good is it? wow. yeah um well it's so that threw all that threw the law off their trail, I guess, that the, they were actually doing an illegal album. You know, whoever cut that thing or brought their tape recorder and they just renamed yeah. the songs, protect themselves from copyright infringement. <laughs> all members of Copenhagen warm ups use uh, plant microphones, <laughs> bon <laughs> bonzo drums. <laughs> I forget what the other two. Yeah. Well, I don't think the band knew this. I, I mean, I know the other two members, but I don't remember exactly. I should I should pull up that album cover at some point. You can continue. I apologize. No, that's okay. No, I mean we should show that. We should show that album cover. Yeah, at some because point. Yeah. I mean, are you going to YouTube this one? I might. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up. And about Robert Plant. Mm -hmm. I noticed he wears those kind of little floral shirts all the time. My theory is that he takes his daughter's shirts on tour and wears them as a, you know, kind of a an ear pool kind of thing, a la, you know, a uh, Carol Burnett. So it's a nod to Could his be. daughter. What do you think? Um, 
are they even shirts? I think they're vests. No, like some vests. of them have uh, poofy sleeves. They're all like floral. Uh, uh, she, she, she. The, the song remains the same. It's, it's completely burned into her mind. It's like the only. Oh, thing. you're talking about John Paul Jones's sleeves and stuff. No, no, no. Like uh, no. during song remains the same. Plants got this shirt on. It's like looks like it's about a you know three sizes too small, and it's got like puffy sleeves and. And it's a floral. Yeah, she's just thinking. And it's just very pretty. Yeah, she's thinking it's rather effeminate. Like paisley. Yeah, paisley. And, yeah. You know, he cut kind of a a feminine figure, I guess, at times. You know, with his posing and all this shit. It, all rock stars did at the time, yeah. right? But, I'm not, it's not a critique. I'm but, just wondering, you know, because Philip kind of poo-poos my thought in this respect. Well, he might, I don't think it's his daughter's, but he might have bought it at the thrift store. I still think maybe it's his daughter's shirt and he wears it as a way to, you know, like say hi to my daughter. Well, that's nice. I think it's very nice. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. It's a reasonable theory. I mean. Mm-hmm. So this person who did these warm-ups, um, and we might want to include this. It was not like a member of the band or anything. It wasn't sanctioned. Oh, it's a, no, it's a bootleg for sure. Okay. The conversation changes. Commemoration night. Yeah, this is a <laughs> yeah. Mm. The Falconer Theater. They use page guitars, plant microphones, Bonzo drums, and Jones keyboards and basses exclusively. Oh, okay. The album. Yeah. Are you able to see that or should I zoom in more? Yeah. No, no, that's uh-huh. good. Yeah. No, it's great. They'll show me where to... Uh... Staircase to above. <laughs> Whole yeah. lot of infatuation. Under the mountain and nearby, foggy hill jump. Yeah. Whole lot of infatuation. Cashmere sweater. In the morning. A so low, it's so low. Yeah, sick again. Crushed overhead. And of course, cashmere sweater. No dimes. What's the... Uh... No quarter. No quarter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Since I've been 7 to 11. Okay. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to um, a lot of the Asian countries will change the names of movies, um, and they're always flaw, but theirs. yeah, they're always that's just everybody's flaw but theirs, Lisa. Um, everybody's flaw but theirs. Wow. Okay, everybody's flaw but theirs. Um, give me a genre hint. Oh, that's that's nobody's fault but mine. I'm just I just oh, said that okay. it's. Oh, that, you that, mean on the? I you thought change, you were talking about the title. Japanese. That's that's everybody's flaw but theirs, which is the yeah. fourth one on the Nobody's list. Nobody's fault but mine. <clears throat> so you thought, okay, you thought he was giving you a riddle. Yeah. yeah, I thought I thought you were talking about a movie. One of the no, you know. well, no, it's just sort of associating. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. What I, what I was looking at with what you were saying. Um. So, uh, August eleventh, August ten and eleven, nineteen seventy nine was. The two nights of Nebworth. And they could not have known it at the time, but it was the last time, the last concerts the original lineup of Led Zeppelin would be doing together. How come? Well, we're getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, Led Zeppelin, or uh, on August 15, 1979, In Through the Outdoor was released. Now, we've talked about a tremendous run of outstanding albums with very few, if any, clunkers on them. But in my estimation, if I had, if I was pressed to to say what my least favorite Led Zeppelin album was, it probably was In Through the Output. It's pretty universally regarded as the worst. Yeah. And that's not saying much, apparently. 
Well, I, I found um, All of My Love a li- just a little sappy, you know, kind of a sweet song, but, you know, oh, sort of a last dance type song at a high school prom or something. Yeah. Is that, uh, that a Jones? Who wrote that one? Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'd be speaking out of term to guess. Jo- Jones and Plant. Okay. Mm. Carousel Umbra was kind of interesting. You know, it did kind of frame it almost as if uh, an amusement park type melody, you know, something you might hear on a ride like that or something. I did like Fool in the Rain. I thought Fool in the Rain was pretty solid. Um, yeah, in the evening, excellent. Yeah. But I'm to me, crawl. I love I'm going to crawl. I'm going to crawl is good. Yeah, go ahead and name that if you got that. Uh, sure. Um, side one. In the evening, southbound soiree, pool in the rain, hot dog. Side two, carousel ombra, all my love, I'm going to crawl. Okay. So not a bad, not a terrible album. Really not. I mean, really, you know, but but probably in the pantheon of Zeppelin. Of their other albums, it does not yeah. stand as as far yeah. If that was indicative of the, dire- of the direction they were headed, uh, I would say that it, you know this may have been um, on the other side. Kind of a swan song. Yeah. Early name for uh, Carousel Ambra on the rough mix is the epic. Early name for All My Love is the hook. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna crawl was blot, and southbound soiree was southbound piano. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think some of the sounds that we heard on that were, were a little bit um, indicative of some of the stuff we heard on Robert Plant's solo you know, stuff. Yeah, like uh, they may have been influenced. You know, more, I've heard people world music. Yeah, I've heard people suggest that Robert Plant's solo stuff, uh, like Big Log, and um, uh, you know, burning uh, down one side, burning I down. I don't know what, I don't know what you're. Uh, what well, songs to name for you to the point you're trying to get to? Yeah, well, I mean, I heard it suggested that a lot of those, those early Robert Plant solo albums were uh, kind of indicative of where Led Zeppelin was headed, and I don't think that could possibly be true unless you're talking. Uh, I mean, you can't you can't say that if Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones are he, not there. He no. wasn't writing. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think those are anything close to what a, a Led Zeppelin and another Led Zeppelin album would have been. I mean, uh, big, yeah. big log turning up on a later Zeppelin album wouldn't have been the first thing. Yeah, but um, yeah. some of them, some of them are just kind of goofy. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm interested to hear his uh, his collection when it gets released, but unfortunately, that would probably mean he's passed. Listening to his podcast, mm. yeah, he's he's telling his kids that it's, when he's gone, just you know, release release it all free to everybody. Oh, give it what they will yeah well they said you know i've seen it got uh, a huge ball of stuff i've seen things where he, he's kind of a free spirit it's like there's youtube there's youtube videos of him just kind of like you know just kind of hanging out in, in the countryside or london or something like that with his backpack or something and like fa- uh um photo bombing people and stuff he's kind of got a <laughs> that's funny it, yeah he's a kinda, wander vibe kind of uh uh Oh darn it, Ghostbuster SNL. But he, he's kind of earned this kind of like Bill uh, Murray. Yeah, he shows up. He does. They could do a whole thing of Bill Murray photo bombs. Yeah, he photo if bombs. He's, all if he's driving by, he'll he'll stop at weddings and just hang out. Yep. Personally, I think he just wants free cake. 
I mean, he's kind of earned this 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 image as kind of a cantankerous, you know, I don't want to do Led Zeppelin, don't talk to me about it, and Jimmy, you know, but I don't think that's really. I think he's, you know, he's really a good guy. He's just he, he wants um he wants to preserve the uh, the pat the the he wants to preserve it without his voice isn't there. He always wants to be doing new shit. Okay. And so I think the stuff that he did solo at that time was, you know, that was Robert Plant. That was not. That was, that was, that was the eighties, man. As far yeah. as as far as eighties music, I'd listened to it ahead of a lot of other. Well, yeah, his 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 music was a heck of a lot better than a lot of the shit that was out there. There's no doubt about it. We we weren't fans. With people, yeah, but you know, it's all moved. Whether... I don't hate it. I don't hate it all. To be clear, there's you know a lot of songs I like, you know, bands yeah. I like. And, genre yeah. but o- overall i prefer the 70s the 60s the 50s to the 80s the 90s yeah. i prefer i like the 90s the, like aughts yeah. and, the aughts and the teens i can't tell you much about other became kind of moot uh because um on september 25th 1980 as the band was getting prepared for a north american tour um they had a, a rehearsal session at page's house and uh, bonzo john bonzo john henry bonham um ended up uh, having a party and consumed 40 shots of vodka to the point where he could not, you know, really drum or anything and, and uh, decided he would sleep it off. He went to a bedroom and laid down and um, ba- never basically woke never woke up again. He was celebrating my birthday. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, a sad day in rock and roll history for, for certain and um, put an abrupt end to Led Zeppelin. Um, yep. There was not going to be, uh, you know, they, they kicked around some ideas and, and, and didn't disclose to the world what they were going to do. But I believe in Robert's mind. Uh, that was it. Yes. Yeah. Without his good friend. When I, when I called, uh, when I called it the worst album, I'd have to put it, I'd have to put Coda side by side. I reserve judgment to, say, to maybe say Coda's worse when we get to it. Well, I, I would agree with you if it were not for Bonzo's mantra. Bonzo's mantra and uh we're going to groove. Yeah. I like Darling. Well, We're Going to Groove was notable because. That could have been a plant solo song. Darling. Yeah. But We're Going to Groove, I think, appeared. I think they were doing We're Going to Groove and Custard Pie as early as like 69 and 70. It was something yeah. they would do live. But not on the album. But it never really appeared until Coda. You know? or, or We're Going to Groove. We're Going to Groove didn't. Yeah. Custard yeah. pie was physical graffiti. Right. And we, that, it's it Mudslide that had that bootleg, the, the bootleg that had uh, the early version of We're Gonna Groove with the verse that's not on Coda. 
I'm going back where I come from, where bees is bees and corn is corn. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, because we get everybody. I can see why they dropped that. It's a pretty, uh, as far as rhymes go, it's a stretch. Yeah, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but it's an awesome lyric. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we laugh about that one. Oh, we, yeah, because we still laugh about that. Corny lyric. Yeah, pun intended. Corny, yeah, yeah. it's corny. <laughs> yeah, you call yeah. it corn. We call it name. <laughs> but we go to everybody's and uh it just it was astonishing uh, the uh the bootlegs you could get there you know we looked at it like oh man this is like this is like piece of gold you know mm-hmm. oh my god this is a led zeppelin live performance that, yeah you know, after and through the outdoor yeah and you listen to it and it sounded like you're listening you know most of them sounded like shit sound like you're standing in the middle yeah uh, this one I mean, I'm I'm used to hearing like soundboard recordings of stuff. So this this one, it's uh, it's not the best listen. I mean, it's not the quality of the playing, but the quality of the recording. It's just kind of I don't know. The volume's a little low, so it's juiced a little bit. It's yeah. I don't know. It's it's I'm hard, it's it's hard, hard to hard listen to it other than exact when you're stealing it. Yeah. Other. Other no, we paid good money for this. No, not the people who did the bootleg were stealing it. We, we know, saved up for this because it was going to disappear. They were never going to okay. have the Copenhagen warm-ups if we didn't buy this one. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, but you could appreciate the historic value of it, or as a fan, you could appreciate. You you'd say to yourself while you're listening to that, it's like this would have sounded fucking awesome if I were yeah. actually. Yeah, you, you can you can hear it enough for that. Yeah. Okay. And that was worth something. Yeah. yeah. And it does sound a little better uh, with the needle going on it too than the MP3. Yeah. Right. With that little extra physical yeah. sound coming up. Yeah. So the the band actually held a press conference, uh, I believe, on December 4th, 1980, to announce that they were disbanding. Um, and, and Coda was not released until November of 1982. Wow. When did John Lennon die? Wasn't that 80 or 81? Is that also December 4th, 1980? I'll look that up. Back huh. check. It's either, it's either his birthday or when he died. Mm-hmm. Do you have the CODA list in front of you? Just for... um, not yet, but oh. it won't take long. September 8th, 1980. Wow, that's really close. Yeah. Hmm. No, it's not that close. It's not that's December. Okay. Oh, December eighth, nineteen eighty. Oh, you said December. I thought you said September. Then yes. No, December. Um, Coda. Disambiguation. The Led Zeppelin album. The track that's complete. <clears throat> All right, we're gonna groove. It was born but, October ninth. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right too. Okay, side one. We're gonna groove. Poor Tom. I like poor Tom. Um, I can't quit you, baby, from Royal Albert Hall, nineteen seventy. Walter's Walk. Um, Walter's Walk to Houses of the Holy outtake. Poor Tom was a Zeppelin three outtake. And that's the end of side uh, one. Side two, Ozone Baby in Through the Outdoor outtake. Darlene in Through the Outdoor outtake. Fonzo's Montro recorded in 1976. And Wearing and Tearing in Through the Outdoor outtake. Yeah. I like Darlene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like, uh, I like uh, We're Gonna Groove. I like Poor Tom. Walter's Walk's not bad. Mm-hmm. Houses the Holy Outtake, possibly with later overdubs, 1972. 
All right. So I, I think Coda is what it was. It, uh, hungry fan base, uh, nostalgic, uh, you know, wanting something to punctuate the career. It was, you know, in retrospect, they weren't the best recordings of those songs, I guess. But some of them, you know, they rocked. And personally, I really like, I can't overstate it enough. I like Bonzo's mantra. I like it more. I like to listen to that more than Moby Dick. Um, Just because of the way he was able to uh, uh, build a melody with percussion, I guess. It really, it really, it's, you can hum. The the steel drum. Yeah. I think it was a real showcase of his, you know, everybody thinks he's a, a heavy hitter, and he was, but, I mean, he was also, uh, you know, a master. Yeah, he, he had a touch. Yeah. So, there had been, yeah, you know, since... There's a lot of uh, tracks on the deluxe edition of Coda that I've never heard, too, and alternate names of other songs. Mm-hmm. There's, there's like Sugar Mama, a, Zepp- a first album outtake. Um, St. Tristan's Sword is a Zeppelin three outtake, and... Uh, the Wanton song was originally Desire. Hmm. And four sticks, four sticks was Four Hands. Is that right? No, it says Bombay Orchestra. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Right. Well, we should mention, wasn't there at least two singles that were not on albums that they released? Um, yeah. Um, hey, what, hey, can, what can I Do was the B-side of the Immigrant song, which was the first song on Zeppelin III. Right. I guess that was the single. And... Um, uh, Traveling Riverside Blues came later yeah. on the first box set. Yeah. And that had a video that premiered on MTV, I believe. That's right. Yeah. That was, you know, those were pleasant additions. You know, those were especially... Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Um, so they made uh, several attempts to... Uh, not attempts to reform, but re- they've had reunions, you know, that... Most notable is probably Live Aid, which was not uh, well received necessarily by the band or the public. I mean, they got blown. I mean, every band that performed at uh, Live Aid um, uh, on July 13, 1985, basically um, uh, was subservient to Queen. You know, oh, yeah. their performance in that show. But, I mean, that was one of the seminal rock performances in history. Every, everybody at Live Aid queen yeah um, no matter what day or venue bow, bow to the queen yeah <laughs> that's right and then in july yes, in july of 86 page and plant joined um at an appearance in uh, meadowlands new jersey um and uh page remember, remember the ronnie lane appeal for arms concert yeah where Paige played a solo version of uh, Stairway to Heaven. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, in April, this is very uh, be- you know, below the radar, I guess. On April 20th, 1990, Paige, Plant, and Jones joined Jason Bonham to perform a Led Zeppelin set at Jason's wedding reception at the Heath Hotel in Boodley, England. Never heard of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's probably pretty um, nice. Yeah. And then probably the most famous reunion was when they got together for the live documentary Unleaded, which featured Robert and Jimmy playing on um, MTV, um, uh, featured four live acoustic versions of Zeppelin favorites and eight new collaborations. 
And the, the thing that's notable about that is that John Paul Jones was probably was, felt a little slighted that he was not asked to join them for that. And this kind of led into um, uh, the album um, Walking to Clarksdale, I believe. Uh, again, is that the page plant? Yeah, the, the album that they put out. Um, together, together. Right. And then, and then finally, I guess the thing to top off this whole saga, I don't want, I don't want to well, gloss when over. When we get to the part where David Coverdale teaches Robert Plant everything he knows. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Cove. Yeah. Well, our rock and roll heaven friends had a Cove story. LD was a waitress that waited on him one time in Hollywood. Uh huh. Yeah. That was the story. That was the story, basically. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't. <laughs> there wasn't anything else on it other than she waited on him and she knew yeah. who he was. She commented on the, like, the realness yeah. of his voice. You know, a prince was born. He lived and he died. The end. That kind yeah. of story. <laughs> Yeah. But um, I guess the, the the biggest the biggest splash that they made post um, Bonzo's death, of course, was the December tenth, two thousand and seven concert for Ahmet Ettergen, um, the guy who was uh, Ray Charles called Omelet in the movie Ray. Omelet, <laughs> and the uh, the guy who just you know discovered Led Zeppelin, you know. Um, Atlantic Records uh, executive, right? Right, right. That concert was uh, performed at the O2 Arena in London. Um, the buzz for that was just off the charts. Apparently, there was an auction to try to get tickets for that, and supposedly a million people had submitted their names to be considered for the show, and uh, and a lucky, I don't know, maybe 40 40- Thirty thousand people got in. You literally had to win the tickets. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was, it was a lottery. Yeah. 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 And uh, I thought it was, you know, it was really great. Oh, it was an auction. You had to outbid somebody for the tickets. No, 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 no. Oh, it okay. was a lottery. Okay. It was a lottery. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ticket prices were set. I mean. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are people. Uh, would, people. Wow. They should. They did it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right. They should have. Well, they should have done an auction. Okay. Yeah. The bidding starts at. 10,000. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they do it for how many thousand seats are in O2 Arena? <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, think right. it was around 30, but I, I can't, I don't know. I mean, it, 30, it's pretty big. It might not be that, that big. I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty I guess, big um, I guess but though for each for each person that wins the lottery, they should win more than the single. Oh, sorry. Right. They probably won the right to buy some tickets. I hit the uh, space bar. Um, oh, oh that, that, I forgot. Uh, baby, come on home. It's a uh, uh, that was released on box set two in 93 or something oh, I, like that. I like that track. You know what else I really love? The girl I love has long With black. The long, yeah. <laughs> long back uh, curly hair or crazy hair or something. Yeah, I love that. Hair. That's a great song. That's a great song. Girl I love. Sounds I love like something here. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a Frank Zappa lyric. Yeah. Like um, there's a song "Little House" I used to live in. Kind of that title has the same vibe. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, there there was some buzz around the whole thing, and apparently there was some momentum for a world tour, and people wanted it, and they were still probably young enough to do it. But you know, Robert still had this 
um, feeling is that he did not want to do this without Bonzo. So, um, and personally, I think that's noble and, um, totally support that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's more, you can't cover Led Zeppelin even in two hours like we spent here, (laughs) but I think, I think that's a good place, good place to put a, a cap on it for tonight. And, um, just one of the greatest bands ever. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And uh, it's been a joy to share uh, the experience of Led Zeppelin with you. You know, you're like my brother. With, oh. You know, yeah. You're so, the brother I never had. <laughs> all right, man. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> it has been. Yeah. I got a lot of work editing that shit now. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us on Yeah Aha uh-huh, listeners with Lisa. And Phil. And Aaron from California. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Have a good night. Good night. Hey, listeners. It's Lisa. And Phil. From Yeah, Uh-huh. How are we doing? We love feedback. Please use our socials to let us know what you think. We have social. Twitter. Yeah, Uh-huh Pod. Instagram. Yeah, Uh-huh Pod. Facebook. Yeah, Uh-huh Pod. Notice, Notice a, a pattern. pattern. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week.